Hello and welcome back to the workbench. This is where we discuss ceiling fan history, trivia, and technical information. Today's going to be a little different. I wasn't planning on doing a workbench video today. Normally for these I take copious notes and I have a planned out series that goes up in order and I research them well ahead of time. And I actually have all that. There's a whole bunch of workbench videos, probably like a dozen or so, that I've already recorded that will probably go up after this one. Um, this one I didn't make any notes, I wasn't planning on filming, I'm going to try to talk and not do any outtakes, um, because there's been some discussions online, uh, that I wanted to address and try to help with. So, today we're going to talk about shipping ceiling fans. So what prompted this, there's two fan collectors that I know that in the past couple days posted about issues with shipping ceiling fans. And <clears throat> these two collectors are both, I think, favorites among the ceiling fan community. Um, a lot of ceiling fan collectors have a reputation for being an asshole. I know some of you think I'm an asshole. If you do, I'll let you know that probably 75% of what you've heard is untrue. Don't worry about the other 25%. Um, but there are some ceiling fan collectors that genuinely have a reputation for not being an asshole. Everybody loves them. Um, and rightly so. They're just sweet people. And the two people that had these issues were both people I believe fall into those categories. Just, you know, beloved collectors that we hope nothing bad happens to. And uh, <clears throat> they both had some pretty serious issues with shipping. One, uh, was they were a victim of the post office. Uh, the other was a victim of another fan collector who has a, who has a pretty well-earned reputation for being an asshole. And so I just want to talk about the perils and tricks and suggestions for shipping ceiling fans in this post-pandemic world of everything sucks and costs more and is worse. So, <clears throat> first things we'll talk about is carriers. There's the three main carriers, UPS, FedEx, and the post office. I have used all three. I pretty much only use FedEx, and there's two reasons for that. One is convenience, um, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about packing, but FedEx stores are corporate. Most of them do packing. Most of them do the same packing. You know what they're, you're going to get. You can bill the packing to your account. You can send labels and bill that to your account. I used to get pretty good corporate rates with FedEx. I need to call and renegotiate that because my rates have gone in the toilet recently. Um, but convenience, and that has a lot to do with, with packing and shipping. We'll talk about that later in the video. Um, the other reason is just that I've had the best overall experience with FedEx compared to the other carriers, and we'll come back to that after we talk about the other two. UPS is the big boy for a lot of people, and I have had the worst luck with UPS when it comes to stuff getting damaged, and there's a reason for that, and if you know anybody that's worked for any of the main character, car uh, carriers, I told you I'm not going to do any outtakes, um... If you, have, if you know anybody that's worked for any of the main carriers, <clears throat> they'll tell you why. Because with FedEx, the stores are corporate-owned and the delivery drivers are independent contractors. With UPS, the delivery drivers are corporate employees and the stores are independent contractors. So what that means is that with UPS, the drivers have absolutely no stake in what happens to the packages because they get their paycheck either way. 
And I mean, it may, I mean, I suppose they might do performance reviews and stuff like that, but realistically, the only thing that UPS cares about is how many packages you get out, how quickly. And they have often impossible goals like, okay, so let's say you can deliver 100 packages in a day, okay, 200 or you're, you know, not fired or you're written up or whatever, you know? They literally, I've, I've had friends who work for UPS who's like, literally, we have to pick up and throw the packages on the truck because there's no other way <clears throat> we can meet their insane, you know, requirements for how much we get done. Uh, and they're not penalized if the packages get damaged. FedEx, on the other hand, the drivers are independent contractors, which means if a package gets lost or damaged and there's a possibility that it happened when it was in the truck, that comes out of the money that that driver, or if it's, a, if it's an independent contractor that has several drivers as employees and they own, you know, an employer that employs them out of that business. And so... When a package is lost or, or damaged on a FedEx route, unless it can be proved that it happened in the terminal and not on the truck, uh, the drivers are penalized. So they're a lot more careful with the packages. Now, a lot of the damage happens in the terminals. Uh, we'll talk about a bit more about packing later on, but they drop something like 10 feet from one conveyor belt to another. So just because the drivers are careful doesn't mean that it won't get damaged. Um, but I have definitely had much worse issues with damage with UPS. The post office, I've never had a damage package from the post office. I think maybe one that came in through Canada. I can't remember if it was packed well or not. Um, but it, it, I've, it's very rare to have a damage package with the post office. What I have had a lot with the post office is lost packages. The post office is an expert at losing packages. They're very good at it. Um, it's just something that they're, you know, it's their area of expertise. And the other thing that they're good at is, uh, oh, don't you want to see these boxes over here? I try to, when I do these, I try to make it so there's a little bit of everything in every shot. I don't want, I want as little junk on the workbench as possible, but I still want it to look like it's a workbench that's in use and as much of the box wall. Anyhow, so I've had a thing happen, and this just comes down to the bureaucracy, because again, the, the post office is a government organization, and Congress dictates what happens to them, and I think we know that even the best intentions of Congress are often just terrible, because you have different parties working at odds from each other, and instead of trying to make the thing work, they're often just trying to block the thing that the other people are doing, and it's just, that's another topic, but... Um, yeah, so there's all sorts of insane bureaucracy in the post office. I'll just give you an example from here. If I want to mail a package, I live in Madison, Wisconsin. If I want to mail a package to somebody else in Madison, Wisconsin, I want to mail something to my mom. I can drop it off at the post office here in Madison, Wisconsin. Because of bureaucracy, it has to go to Milwaukee and then back to Madison before it goes to my mom's house. It can't just go straight to her house. And we could get into why. I'm just using that as an example of there's a whole lot of stupid requirements that the post office has to follow that are the result of stupid government stuff that makes things a lot more difficult for them. Again, the, the good thing about that is that they're not a for-profit organization like, you know, like uh, UPS and FedEx, so they're less likely to damage your packages, um, but they are, because there's a lot of just, you know, they're more likely to get lost. And the other thing that the post office is really good at they are really good at a package is lost. You'll think it's lost. Several months will go by, and then it'll show up. I had that happen. I used to sell on eBay. I stopped selling on eBay because of all the issues that could happen. Um, 
but I used to sell on eBay and uh, I, I sold somebody a pick guard and uh, I, they didn't insure it. We'll talk about all that stuff a little bit later on in the video. They didn't insure it. I didn't insure it. I just used the cheapest postage and uh, something like a month went by and it didn't show up. And they, they thought I was, you know, they thought I was a shitty seller because I don't, I don't even, I think I shipped it first class, which means I didn't even have proof that I shipped it. Nowadays, I think first class comes with a tracking number, but it didn't used to. And, uh, yeah, so they were, they were all upset. And, uh, I think I either refunded them their money or was about to. And then like a month later, it showed up and we all thought it was just lost. So yeah, that's the post office. So the post office loses packages. UPS destroys packages. The Fe FedEx does a little bit of both. I've had packages lost with FedEx. I've had packages destroyed with FedEx, but I've had a smaller incidence of both than I've had with the other two companies. So that's why I go with FedEx. Uh, again, a big part of his convenience in terms of, especially if people are shipping things to me, I like being able to say, oh, just drop it off at the FedEx store. They can pack it and ship it and bill me. Uh, we'll get into that when we talk about packing. Um, but it's harder to do that with the UPS store because the UPS stores are not corporate stores. Uh, and of course, the post office doesn't do packing. Now, the third option, that's three. The fourth option, um, see, that would have been an outtake too if we were doing outtakes. But this is, I almost thought of going live for this. Um, and the only reason I didn't is because I don't know how to, I wanted to do it from my phone because I have the camera stand set up so you can see the box wall and everything. But um, anyhow, the fourth option is smaller companies. Now, DHL used to be a really good option for fan collectors. They used to be cheaper and more reliable than the big three. And the last I checked, which was probably over 10 years ago, the last I checked, they no longer did like ground service in my area. So I stopped messing with them. But they used to be a much better option. And it used to be so if you, you know, if, if, if you didn't want to mess with the big three, you could go with DHL and they were a smaller company that just did a better job. Generally speaking, you know, I'm of the, I'm of the belief that in most cases, the smaller the business, the better, you know, you get better service because they're more concerned about keeping you as a customer because they have fewer. Um, and also I like to support small businesses. I like, you know, support local businesses, etc. Um, so I don't know if DHL is an option anymore. I haven't looked into them for years. Um, but definitely a possibility, something worth looking into, but there's also smaller regional carriers. So here in the Midwest, we have a carrier that I love that I've used a lot called Speedy Delivery, like the company from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I think it's even spelled the same. It's S-P-E-E-D-E-E -E -E -E, Delivery. They're based in Minnesota, and they only serve um, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, South Dakota, parts of Illinois, I think, parts of Kansas, and then maybe parts of Missouri. I'm not exactly sure, but they only service part of the Midwest, not even the whole Midwest, not even all the places where you can find Menards and save 11%. Um, they only serve parts of the Midwest, but one of the parts that they serve is my state of Wisconsin. And they are a small locally owned shipping company. And they pick it up and they deliver it. And they don't do all the like terminals and stuff that UPS and FedEx does. It's oftentimes just driver to driver. And it doesn't even have to be packaged. Now, I mean, I wouldn't ship them something like a ceiling fan with loose parts and stuff like that. But like, for example, um, I had a, well, you, remember, you guys remember my Torrento that used to be on my uh, back patio until the tornado destroyed it. 
Uh, I had that shipped to me, a speedy delivery, and they, they boxed up the fan blades and the motor and stuff like that, but the base and the pole and all that was just one big piece, and it, they, they just picked it up. It's just it's, it's a piece. It's not packaged. They charge more for that, but their prices are super reasonable. I think pickups like $8. I think maybe a, a, the, the fee for something that's not packaged is maybe like another $8, and then the shipping is like another $8 or something like that. It's insanely cheap. So as another example, those two minty gold lines and that big Hunter Zephyr, and I don't know if those videos will have gone up at the time, but essentially two gold lines and a giant circulator, um, they shipped those all three of those to me, which took like five boxes, and the circulator was in a wooden crate, and they all three were picked up, um, well, more than three, because it was more than three boxes, but that was a hundred bucks total for stuff that, that would have been, I mean, that would have been, that would have been uh, freight with FedEx. And, and not to mention the, the pickup charges and everything else. And so um, the only downside to Speedy, other than they only serve the Midwest, is that they um, don't do packaging. So if it's something that needs to be packaged, then, you know, your whoever, whoever your seller is or whoever is shipping has to do the packing. Uh, and they don't offer damage insurance. Um, I, I can't remember the details. I think maybe if it's if it's in the original manufacturer's packaging, they offer some some something weird like that, where they only offer insurance under certain circumstances. Um, but I've never had anything lost or damaged with them, including some stuff that wasn't that well packed. It still showed up perfect. So maybe your area has a, a small shipping carrier that you can try, and that's definitely something I would recommend uh, because whenever somebody's going to be shipping me something from within. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, if they are able to do their own packing, then I go speedy all day, every day. And it's easier for them because it can be picked up. Leave it in front of your house. They'll pick it up, you know? And um, don't even have to drive to FedEx. So that's carriers. Again, my personal preference is a small regional carrier or FedEx, but there's pros and cons to all of them. Um, never had a lost package with UPS. Um... Never had uh, that I could, well, uh, very minimal issues with damaged packages from the post office. Little both from FedEx, but overall my experiences with FedEx have been better than the other. But they're all bad, you know. I uh, it's it's like you know how uh, how would you like somebody to shit on you? They're all bad ways. Um, so that is the carriers. Now let's talk about packing, and this is going to segue into the third topic, which is going to be insurance. Um, we'll get into that as well, but, um, the safest way to ship a ceiling fan is in a ceiling fan box and styrofoam point blank. If you have the actual box, it's supposed to come in, then that's beautiful. There's pretty much no way it can get damaged that way. If you don't have that, then the best thing that you can do is to, um, get the box and styrofoam from a different ceiling fan or even something else that uses it like a microwave or printer. And you can use a butter knife and cut the styrofoam to fit. Um, but that is the safest way to ship a ceiling fan. Styrofoam in general is the safest way to ship because it can't move around and it can take a hit, take an impact. And those are the big things about packing is you need to be able to take an impact, whether it's dropping from 10 feet or somebody hitting the box or somebody sitting a hundred pound box on top of it. Um, and if stuff can move around, then, you know, I've often said what you should be able to do just put a piece of plywood on top of your box and stand on it. And, and if, if you can do that, then it'll survive shipment. And if you can't do that or you don't feel comfortable doing that, it might not be able to survive shipment. Um, 
So that's one thing. The next safest way to ship um, fans and other breakable things is double boxing. In fact, I would never ship glass without double boxing it. I try to avoid shipping glass in the first place. But double boxing it for what you know is you, you, you pack it in a box like you normally would, and then you put that box inside a larger box, and you put packing materials on all six sides in between. So there's a layer of materials between all the walls of the two boxes. And that's the only time I ever recommend using peanuts. Peanuts works great for double boxing. Never use peanuts if you're not double boxing. If you are double boxing, only use them on the outer box. So that's if you're packing fans yourself. Those are the two ways that I'd recommend doing it. <coughs> Anything other than those two ways is risky. Um, most of the time when I ship fans, whether I'm shipping them out or I'm shipping them in, I pay FedEx to pack them. And part of that for me is that I don't have the space to store a bunch of packing materials. I used to do that, and that was space that, that could be used for other things, and I realized it was silly because I, I, they would just sit for years and years and never get used, and then when I did need them, I couldn't find what I needed. Um, that's one reason. Um, is it, yeah, I just hate storing packing. The other reason is, like, if I'm buying a fan from you, and you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I want to pack it, just take it to FedEx, and they'll, I'll handle everything. I'll explain to them how to pack it, etc. And nine times out of ten, they do a great job. Ah, Seven times out of ten, they do a great job of packing if you give them specific instructions. If you don't give them specific instructions, uh, all bets are off. But I give FedEx very specific instructions. I want Instapack on the bottom. I want all the parts wrapped in bubble wrap. And then either Instapack or more bubble wrap or paper on top. Uh, paper is the worst thing, but sometimes they don't have enough Instapack. And they charge about 25 bucks a box to do it that way. Um which, if you can fit everything in one box, you pay 25 bucks for packing. Um, and so, that's what, and, and I also am very careful. I never, in any of these scenarios, never pack a motor with a switch housing facing down. I made that mistake one time. I shipped a motor to J.J. Atchison, and I packed it well, but I faced the switch housing down. And you guys probably know what happened. The switch housing shattered. And, uh, I mean, you can't guarantee which way that they will um, ship the box. It won't get turned in shipping. But it's a lot, uh, it's a lot safer to have it facing up. So, <clears throat> I most of the time I have FedEx do the packing, and and like I said, part of that is convenience. I don't have to store packing materials. If, if I'm trying to convince you to sell me a fan, um, I don't have to worry about you packing it. Or I don't know how to pack it. Or I don't have the materials. No, no problem. Just drop it off at FedEx. They'll do everything. But the other reason is getting into our third topic, which is insurance, and. I've had different experiences with all three carriers. And again, my most of my experience is based on FedEx. But, so for now, we'll start on FedEx and we'll get into the other carriers. FedEx is a giant pain in the ass about paying claims if they didn't pack it. If you ship something FedEx and you packed it yourself, nine times out of ten, they're going to deny the claim and say improper packing. I've had a couple of times where I shipped a ceiling fan or somebody shipped one to me that was in the original box with styrofoam in the original shipping box, like one, one of these. And I don't know if they ran the truck over it or what, but it arrived crushed. And I filed a claim and the claim was denied due to improper packing. And I said, what do you mean improper packing? It's the manufacturer's packing. That's the best possible packing. And they're like, well, it didn't have bubble wrap. It didn't have this. Denied. And, I mean, it, it kind of depends on the claim agent you get. But if you say, I paid for packing by FedEx office, and 
I paid for fragile packing by FedEx office, there's a lot more likelihood that um, that claim is going to get paid. Um, I'm trying to think if I've ever had a claim. I've had a couple claims that were that were packed by FedEx office and not paid, but it's a longer story. Uh, most of the time it was glass, and most of the time it was with the, in the second issue that we're going to get to. So the second issue is how much to insure it for. And this is a big deal because um, a lot of people will try to skimp on the insurance to save money. And you maybe save five bucks on your shipping cost. But then, you know, now you only have the $100 insurance. Unless I paid a lot of money for something, like a guitar, which are thousands, like that A&G Imperial that I paid many hundreds for, like, um, what have I, else have I bought recently that, that was hundreds? I can't think of anything else offhand. Um, but generally speaking, for me, music equipment that's hundreds of dollars, and on the rare occasion that I buy a fan that costs let's just say over $300 for the sake of this. Um, like, uh, yeah, I've definitely paid more than 300 for that ANG. I will insure it for whatever I paid for it. Because if it gets lost, you want to be paid. You don't want some of the what you paid. You want every penny you paid. And if I insure it for $100 and they lose the package and I paid 500 for it, they're only going to pay $100. Because I only paid $100 insurance. And that's nobody's fault but mine. You know? But here's where it gets tricky. Because if you insure it for $100... And again, I'm, I'm mainly talking FedEx. We'll get into the other carriers in a second. If you insure it for $100... And you pay FedEx to fragile packet, And it gets damaged. Then 99% of the time... They are going to let you keep the thing... And they're going to cut you a check for 100 plus packing plus shipping, which might be up to 200 bucks. If you insure it for $101, packed by FedEx office, etc., before they pay that claim, they're going to come and pick up the thing. And if they pay the claim, they're going to want to keep the thing. And I don't know about you, but if I ship a rare fan and it gets damaged, I want to keep the rare fan. I don't want to just get the check. I'd, ra I'd rather keep it and get some of the money than have them pick it up and destroy it and get all of the money. So that's the dilemma in what you insure it for. Because if you insure it for the full value and it gets lost, you're good. If it gets damaged, you're more likely to be screwed. If you insured it for $100, if it gets damaged, and you and again, you packed it through them, you're going to get at least the $100 plus, pack, plus packing and shipping. But if it gets lost, you're screwed. So again, for me, I just, every shipment I look at it, I try to think of, okay, how, what's the worst possible outcome and what's the best possible outcome if something goes wrong and so like i looked at it when i had a shipment uh the, you know again the ang shipment that was a shipment where i got three fans from the same person and the total for the three fans was over a thousand dollars now it ended up being like something like six boxes to get everything but 
if one of those boxes was lost, like if the box with the AMG motor was lost, half of my money is lost. And I'd be and versus if it got damaged, the hundred dollars is nothing. So I insured each one of those boxes for the total cost. I think I insured each box for a thousand bucks or something like that because if they lost one box, then the whole shipment is now worthless. And uh, and I wanted to get all my money back. And as it stood, uh, nothing got lost or damaged in that shipment. So that ended up being fine. But I've definitely had some... I'll, I'll give you another example. Those three heat cyclers I bought. I paid, I think, maybe... I paid... I don't remember what I paid. But I, I paid a certain amount for the heat cyclers. They lost one box. And... The, the one box they lost, I only insured them for 100 bucks a box because all combined together, it ended up being, uh, you know, the insurance ended up being more than what I paid for the fans. But they only lost one box, but since they lost one box, one whole fan was now worthless. And so I ended up losing money on that. Um, so that's the dilemma with insurance. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about the other carriers. I've never heard of a good experience getting UPS to pay a claim. Not when you have UPS packet, not when you pack it, not when they let you keep the item, not when they pick up the item. I've heard a lot of stories about people shipping valuable antique fans with them, like Fern Leafs or CF-28s or just other cast ornate antiques, and they get destroyed, and then UPS picks up the package and determines, oh, packing wasn't good enough, even if it was packed by them. Because, again, the store is an independent contractor, so they're like, take that up with the store. And then the store is like, we'll take that up with the carrier, because they're two separate entities. And I've, I've known of people that have lost fans that they insured for thousands that way because they got destroyed. UPS picked up the package, didn't give it back, and didn't pay the check. I've heard of that happening. It actually happened to me once. Uh, it was just some glass that was like glass for a fan that I had shipped, and, um, and it got damaged in shipping as glass often does. I mean, that's it's very hard to ship glass. and But it got damaged, and uh, I filed a claim. They picked it up. They denied the claim. And I said, well, can I have my package back? It, I didn't want it back. I just wanted to see what they would say. And they were like, well, no, it's it's a hazard. It's broken glass. We had to dispose of it. So at that point, I had paid for shipping on the package. I would paid for the glass. and I And I didn't even have the broken glass, you know? And that's just, I mean, people talk about corporate monopolies. This is what happens when you have unregulated capitalism and you have corporate monopolies is they can, you know, there's no, there's not nobody that's obligating this business to do right by their customers. And so, you know, that's talk about being too, too big to fail and all that. Same thing with the cable companies and the phone companies. It's what happens when you only have a small, or the airlines, you know? Um, so yeah, UPS, I have nothing but terrible experiences filing claims. Um, the post office, they'll usually pay a claim. And I've never heard of anybody requiring the package to be picked up. But you do have to jump through a lot more hoops. Like with FedEx, I just go on the FedEx website, I file my claim, and then either they pay it or they deny it. And if I want to fight it, I can call them up and spend hours on the phone, and sometimes it'll get reversed. Um, but that can be very time-consuming. Um UPS, like I said, I've never had a success story with claims with UPS. And uh, post office, every claim sooner or later gets paid, but it takes a lot of effort. They want a lot of proof and a lot of paperwork that has to be filled out by hand. It has to be mailed in and it takes weeks and, you know, so. Um, and then speedy delivery and DHL, I've never had to file a claim with. So, okay, let's see. Have we covered everything? We talked about packaging. 
We talked about the different carriers and we talked about insurance. I feel like that's all the bullet points I wanted to hit. Again, I didn't make any notes for this video like I normally did. I just wanted to kind of get some stuff off my chest and give some advice. So, so my advice, if you're shipping a fan, um, so first of all, uh, I guess let's kind of summarize. Let's talk about one of the examples that happened, which was somebody bought a fan. They sent payment through an unconventional way. I always recommend PayPal if at all possible. And I don't worry about the fees. Pay the fees because then you have buyer protection and seller protection. As far as protection goes, PayPal is the best. I know that they've had their issues. PayPal's not perfect. We've got plenty of horror stories about PayPal as well. I've got one horror story in my PayPal history, which is why there's at least one PayPal address that I don't use anymore. Um, but of the places, the ways to send payment, PayPal is the best. They offer protection for buyers and sellers. So always send PayPal, send it from a credit card, and send it with fees. If, if the person says, can you send it without fees, say, I'll include the cost of the fees. On $100, the fee is like 3 bucks. So just pay the 3 bucks. And, and, and if they don't have PayPal, the next best one is Venmo, because Venmo is owned by PayPal, and they have some of the same protection. Cash App has no protection. Zelle has no protection. Um, what's the other one? Sending a money order. I mean, technically, that's mail fraud if there's an issue, but you have to go through the court system. Um, so if at all possible, send PayPal. Don't do what happened to my friend in this scenario where he sent it in installments. Because if you send it in installments, there's not full protection. Because it's, yeah, just send it all in one chunk. Uh, again, I always recommend using a credit card because worst case scenario, if, if PayPal won't help you, your credit card company will. It's just another layer of protection. Um, but, yeah, send, send that, send, so make sure your payment's protected. And if you're doing a trade, I honestly wouldn't do a trade with somebody that I didn't trust. And if, if I really want to do a trade with somebody I, I didn't trust, I'd have them send the thing first. And if they refused, then I probably wouldn't do it. And that's a little unfair, I know. I mean, the way that I look at it is I'm like, everybody knows me. So if, you're, if, if your trade with me doesn't go well, uh, you can, you know, if, if I have a reputation to protect and again, uh, I know there's been some things that have been said, but the vast majority of them are untrue, and I got receipts. So you know, you want to see receipts? Come, come and look at them. And I don't think I can't think of anybody that's ever done a trade with me and had and had a legitimate issue. If somebody says they had an issue with a trade with me, ask them for receipts or ask me for mine, because um, I I'm, that's a big deal to me. But yeah, I. Trading is, is real risky because there's no, you know, no accountability. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't do a trade with somebody that I didn't trust unless they sent it first. And that's just me. Um, but yeah, make sure your payment's protected. Don't send it in installments. And, uh, and then honestly, I, I won't these days. If you're getting a fan from me, the only way that I will ship a fan to somebody else is if you have a FedEx account and I can do packing and shipping on your on your FedEx account. 
Because then if there's an issue that's between you and FedEx and I don't have to get involved. And that's the same way I do with other people. They can do it on my FedEx account if you're shipping to me. I feel like that's safest for both parties. Now, if you're getting a fan from me and you want to save some money by having me pack it, I will do my best. And I think, I think I'm as good at packing fans as anybody out there. But that's at your risk. Because I there's a certain level of protection that comes from having FedEx pack it if anything ever goes wrong. Um, you know, again... If the the insurance thing, that should be your decision as a buyer. You shouldn't let a seller bully you into more or less insurance based on, you know, you're the one who's going to be out the loss. And then if something does go wrong, ultimately, it falls on the seller to refund the money. And in the example that I'm alluding to, the seller should have just refunded the money. And the only reason why PayPal didn't make him refund the money is because the buyer didn't send the payment in a way that was protected. And if he had, the seller was completely in the wrong and and PayPal would have just refunded the money. Um, but ultimately, if it gets damaged in shipping and, you know, and, and the claim has to be filed and everything like that, the onus is on either the seller or the person who dealt with the shipping carrier. And that's why I always add, suggest that if you're the buyer, if at all possible, use your own FedEx account and have them pack it and ship it on your FedEx account. If you're the seller, ask your buyers to do that. Because then the only responsibility that you have as a seller is to provide the fan that is promised. If it's complete, then it needs to be complete. If it's working, then it needs to be working. But in terms of everything that happens with packing and shipping, that way it is between the buyer and the shipping carrier. And it's just it's just it's safer and easier for everybody. And so again, anybody that I've dealt with recently that's been that's gotten a fan from me or I've gotten a fan from, that's always the first thing I suggest is if I'm getting the fan, I want to use my FedEx account uh, because then I know that I can make sure that it gets to me safely. And if something goes wrong, I can argue with FedEx and, and you've got your payment. And unless you didn't deliver to FedEx what you promised, then there's I have no right to take that up with PayPal. Um, because the issue is with FedEx and it's through my shipping carrier and my shipping account. And, um, and like I said, the, uh, uh, the same thing in reverse. If somebody wants a fan from me, give me your FedEx info, give me your FedEx account number, and I will pack and ship on your FedEx account. And if something goes wrong, that's between you and FedEx. And then you can't, and if, and if somebody comes to the seller under those circumstances and says, Hey, refund the money, it got lost in shipping, or I never got it, or it got damaged in shipping. I can go to PayPal and say, hey, they used his FedEx account, they did the packing, they did the shipping, that's all on that end. And again, PayPal protection should protect me just like it would protect you. So that's my advice. That's how I do things. Um, and uh, again, sometimes within the Midwest, I use the regional carrier. I don't think I've ever used that with another collector because other collectors travel within the Midwest enough that... Um, I don't have to worry about shipping something from Minnesota or Illinois, um, but it's definitely an option. I guess and check your region and see what they have. Um, I think I've covered everything, and I wanted to try to keep it under 30 minutes, and I think I have. So if you have questions, post them in the comments, and I will answer them. Uh, if you have ideas, post them in the comments, and I will react to them. Uh, anything else, post it in the comments. Uh, as always, like, comment, and subscribe.
as always, support our sponsors, Fanstick, Lightstick, Taco Burrito Mexico, The Good Manufacturing Company, Rick or Sheep the Game, and 81220LLC. And there's a host of websites that you can go to to support our sponsors. Buyfanstick.com, fanstick.biz, lightstick.biz, rickersheep.com. Um, and uh, I think that's everything. So thanks for watching. And as always, continue to buy fanstick.